Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now Wrigley or Gantee So the whole league that we here now New show with a new mood Discussions and interviews Straight rumors that might be This is Pinwheels and Knife Yeah This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board, yeah Every season they get all changed Take me out to the bar game This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board what's going on everybody it is friday october 9th this is the pinwheels and ivy podcast i am your host Southside Zo, aka Father Zo, aka Mr. Zo, aka soon to be Daddy Zo. And with me, as always, are my two co hosts, Mr. Aldo Soto. I can't wait for Beef to go a complete 180 on Nick Magical. I can't <laughs> wait to hear it right now. <laughs> and the good Reverend Kevin Fiddler. What up, K Fids? Beef, welcome to the show, bud. You always you have my ear after last night's post, believing that Casino is a much better mob movie than Goodfellas. Ooh, hot I like take, that I got you there. Hot take, you stole my heart. You stole my heart. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. And so that fourth voice you're hearing, everybody, is we do have a very special guest on the show. You know him as one of the OGs from the Section 108. I know him as my favorite like whore on Twitter. <laughs> birds, of, birds of a feather flock together. He's our guy, Mr. Delicious, a.k.a. Beatloaf, a.k.a. your favorite uncle on Twitter. What's going on, Beef? How are you? Thank you for being here. Okay, Fids, Aldo, Father Zoe, thanks for having me back. Uh, the last time I was on this show, a couple years ago, Mm-hmm. When I put out into the world the most ridiculous thought ever that the White Sox should trade Luis Robert, and that really is showing out good. I, I, I did so good on that take, you just decided to bring me back and to yes. make fun of me again. So I, I, I look forward to this, guys. Thank you, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, the last time Loaf was on the show was he put out that that blog, and I was like, this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. I need this man on the show to start talking to him. And that's really when me and you started chatting, because we've talked yes. outside of the blogs now. We're lunch buddies, you know. Yeah, quite like a bit. Yep. Um, but that's what really started off. It was always that one Louis Robert take, and <laughs> a friendship has developed from it. It's been fantastic. <laughs> so I'm glad you said it. It all worked out. But we have a great show for you. Uh, we're going to talk everyone's most controversial and i still don't understand why we're going to talk about some nick madrigal yes. uh we are also going to talk about white Sox offseason so this episode with beef loaf here what's up mr hand with beef loaf here we are going to talk white Sox offseason because we all know jerry's going to just throw money at all these free agents it's going to be awesome we're going to get all the guys um so we're and then next week <laughs> We have a TBT Cubs guest that will be coming on the show, and we're going to be talking about Cubs offseason. 
about all the guys they're going to go after too. about all the money they're going to spend and all the there's going to be so many free agents in chicago they're going to have to close down a wing of o'hare just to bring, bring in these guys in raining, um, free agents, raining free agents so we actually have some other show we got to take care of some business before we get into all this we have some show stuff that we need to address you've probably seen it now if you're watching the live show on the bottom here but sports mockery is now presented to you by points bet so gambling obviously now legal in illinois everybody's getting on it it's a good time go on there and sports mockery is no different pinwheels and ivy is no different we are now brought to you by points bet so go to points bet download the app use promo code mockery because when you use promo code mockery you're going to get a lot of good stuff that's going to open up to you if you can if you're watching this live before the bears tampa game Go sign up with PointsBet, use promo code MOCKERY, and you're going to get the Bears plus 86 for the game versus Tampa Bay. Now, I know the Bears suck. I get it. But they don't suck 86 points bad. No one in the NFL is that bad, not even the Jets. So you're going to get Bears plus 86. That's free money. Sports MOCKERY just bought you a case of beer this weekend. All you got to do is go download PointsBet, promo code MOCKERY, and bet the Bears. Done. Case of beer on us, and it's even the good stuff, not even just Bush Light, which is beautiful beer. King Cobra. But outside of that, if you're too late and you're listening to this Friday, if you use promo code Mockery, you're going to get two risk-free bets up to $1,500. You're going to lose your first fixed odds bet up to $500 back. You're going to lose your first points betting wager up to a grand back, and you win if the Bears score a point, $20 to win a buck 20. Are you freaking kidding me? You're dumb if you don't do this. I said it. We're giving you free money. Mailman Jack likes beer. You should like beer. That's why you get the, you know, sometimes that package looks a little upside down. Okay, Jack, we see you. But points bet, download the app, promo code mockery, free money. I, I mean, do you guys think of an easier way I can say that? I think that's pretty much easier before I hit him in the head with a tack hammer. Aldo, sound. Give me a sound effect. Not prepared. Not prepared. Not prepared. (laughs) Survey says. (laughs) All right. We're going to leave this on the screen to remind you, but if you're, again, if you're watching us live, if you're one of the tens and tens of people that are watching this live, (laughs) make sure you're using promo code mockery to get this in before Tom Brady. And the Bears, all right? Mouth kisses the Bears tonight. He's going to mouth kiss the Bears. Hold on. I got to – that was a lot of – that was my longest promo read in the history of the show, so here's some moonshine. It was really good, though. Like, you could almost hear some theme music behind it. I, I would. I was just missing – you should have smashed some shit, let's be honest. Like, it's a hammer. Like, <laughs> y'all it's crazy. Wanna, y'all want to smash – we got crazy. We're giving it away because we're crazy, crazy boys. But <laughs> – so another thing that we've been throwing around before we dive into Magical is we're thinking about putting our money where our mouth is with points bet, and we're going to have a show pot. Show pot. So we're going to do a Pinwheels and Ivy account, and we're going to make bets on Thursday nights with football, and we're going to tweet out polls, and we're going to let you – you're not going to make the bets for us because we're not dumb, but we're going to influence the bets for us. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you guys pick some public. stuff. <laughs> And I mean, with all when it all comes down, we got the man on the inside. If people forget, KFIDS is in Vegas, so I don't okay. know. I and it's guy. great because they get to vote on it. We get to keep all the money if we win. So yeah, exactly. Everyone, and it's not like you're going to get anything. All you're going to see is like maybe I drink something better than Bush Light. If you tweet about it, we'll like it. We'll yeah, like it. Yeah. <laughs> and and then finally, the last thing. Shout out to Elwiz. 
for this Mankata shirt. Make sure you're going to support Snark Burley on Twitter. Awesome t-shirts, merchandise. Go get yourself a Mankata Metallica shirt. I heard these are a big hit in Northwest Indiana. So make sure <laughs> I couldn't resist. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, so make sure you go. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. I just we had to bring it up one time. Club. We don't talk about Mankata Party. All right. <laughs> So sorry that I had to get that all out of the way, but we're just trying to give you free money, guys. I'm re- I'm literally just trying to give you guys. I'm trying to get you guys drunk, or <laughs> I'm trying to get you money to buy your girl something nice because you got drunk. So you see how this all works out. But anyways, <sighs> all right, I'm gonna start this out. And usually I'm a very optimistic guy on this show. I'm a very positive person on this show. I gave a really nice. I thought post-mortem to the White Sox season last week, I had a couple people DM me, tell me they really appreciate it. Made them, made them feel a little bit better. But I'm watching this Astros-Ace game wind down right now, and it's a goddamn home run derby in Dodger Stadium. You know who has a lineup that's built for a home run derby in Dodger Stadium? The White Sox. Shit, Nick Madrigal can hit one out in there. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to start, uh, you know, right. uh, yeah, I know. but I'm just now I'm fired up because they said, so both teams have hit 12 home runs in this series alone. The record before this series by a single team was 11. And now you have two teams hitting 12. So obviously they're using the juicy balls. The juicy balls are out in LA right now, but I just, it kills me to think what could have happened, what could have been. And although you said it in the pregame, if Crochet doesn't get hurt, maybe we're having a whole different show today. But it is what it is. So let's dive into it. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. It's fucking driving me insane. (laughs) And I'm getting drunk, so now it's going to get like more and more like, yeah. Um, So let's start, Beef, buddy, Opel. (laughs) We've we've had some conversations about it. I'm going to be nice. Um, but, oh, I saw, see, this is the thing where people comment and I look at their comments. Cause I, we were just talking about Vinny's article. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to Vinny's article. but first we're going to start with Nick Magical, who I think for some wild reason has become one of the most polarizing players on the white Sox. I mean, you guys are all on Twitter just as much as I am. I, I, I don't think I'm out of line here when I say people either love the guy like myself and King Mac and some others. Or they absolutely hate the guy, which is weird to me because he plays on the team you root for. <laughs> but there are people in the middle. There are logical people. There are numbers people. And this is where I'm going to bring in Beef Loaf because I feel <laughs> like you are somewhere in the middle because I know you don't hate him. I know you don't hate him. Uh, no, I don't know if I'm logical, but I think in a certain way and the, and I can't help it. That's just the way I, I kind of am. Uh, so this shortened season from mm-hmm. Nick Madrigal, all the questions I had about him, I still kind of have about him. However, he's the he's the good version of what everyone said he would be, right? Especially right. with the bat-to-ball skills. Like I, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I was expecting sort of a hiked-up uh, strikeout rate and a lot, a lot less, uh, a lot less batting average than we ended up getting. We ended up getting the three forty batting average, which is nice. Um, I'm going to ignore uh, the base running. We don't need to trudge through that. The defense, in my opinion, was fine. There were a couple hiccups, and even in the playoff game. When he made the mistake with the ball on the lip of the infield, you saw the next time he picked one up, he was positioned further back. So he's 
he'll learn. He's I'm not worried about any of that shit. But my question for you, Father, so you're the expert here. You 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 know more about Madrigal. And I, I didn't I'm lucky because I didn't play high school baseball or college baseball, so I'm not poisoned by the by the school of baseball. Mm-hmm. I'll, all I'm thinking about is how, what's the best way to deploy Nick Madrigal in the batting order? Because he's going to hit for a high average and he's going to put the ball in play. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of people saying, you know, I ran a poll on 108 and like over 50% said to keep him in the ninth position. I'm thinking the guy's got a 370 on base percentage. Ninth Hitting ninth is not where the guy should be. <laughs> and there is like the, uh, you know, my initial thought was well, just lead him off because he has no power, but he gets on base a ton. And then put and then slide everyone back one one spot. Now I don't know how that plays politically in the clubhouse. Maybe Tim Anderson's like, "Fuck that! Huh? It's my big dick, and I'll fuck when I want to." So maybe he doesn't want that, you know? Maybe. So I was trying to think. Everyone says hit him number two. Huh? He's a prototypical two hitter. But the current game, you don't hit and run and shit like that anymore. That's everyone. Right. There's too many strikeouts, too many home runs. So let me throw this out there, and the three of you let me know: Is this totally nuts? I think Nick Madrigal should hit fifth or sixth. And the reason why is I feel like those are the spots in the lineup where you end up with runners on base and two outs and where you can maximize a guy who puts the ball in play all the time, who's who you cannot strike out. And I don't know, it's anecdotal, but like watching Edwin Encarnacion and Nomer Mazzara hit in those spots and like strike out almost every time they had runners on, got me thinking, why don't we just deploy this weapon the best way we can? What do you guys think? My loins quivered. My loins quivered. Coach K. Fitz. <laughs> Absolutely. I knew that was going to oh. get. You go ahead, Kevin. Then oh. I'm going to get mine. But a little flush. A little flush Kevin, right now. Kevin, <laughs> why, having a little bit of a, Kevin, why do you agree with? Why do you agree with beef? Why would you not want to bridge together a lineup that can hit the ball a long way? You want to have somebody that can actually keep the keep the line going, and you want to be able to set tables. And when you have somebody that can put the ball in play, especially when you have guys in run, runners in scoring position, maybe a situation with one out and a guy on third. You want somebody with the back control like that in a five hole or a six hole that can actually make contact, not actually give away free outs in a situation that, you know, he doesn't roll into a ton of ground, you know, double plays. He's got good speed. He's, he's pretty decent when it comes to not rolling, you know, ending an inning. So you have a guy that actually can put a baseball where you want him, And if you have to drop one down, just in case, so it wants to go ape shit and hate bunts, but in case you need to drop something down or do something in a speed situation, you still have that option and you're not stuck with a bunch of cavemen, you know, three through freaking seven, you have actual, pugilists if you want to call it someone that can control the bat and you want bat control in the middle of that lineup to give it consistency i don't know that's just me no i know and i know you always take it from a coaching perspective which i always greatly appreciate but um i think what 10 years ago he's your two hitter Mm -hmm. and there's no question about it yeah i think the game has changed a little bit where um you got me thinking here beef you really do. I, n- I never really thought about putting him in. I like the idea of him bridging it. I was one of those people that say I'm good with him in the nine hole. And the reason why I'm good with him in the mm-hmm. nine hole is because we got him up and there was a lot of times where he came up and you have one of the top three hitters right behind him and Tim Anderson. Yeah. Now that also works out, I guess, if you lead him off and then TA's batting two, same deal. I almost liked having him in that nine hole because it was like, okay, well, coming up this inning, we have seven, eight, nine, but it's really going to be seven, eight, flip to one with a guy on. And 
it made me feel a little bit better, but I, I'm going to have to think on that though. Beef, you kind of you you threw me a fucking curveball. Though, though, too, Zoe, you you weren't wrong in the idea of someone with his ability also in the second lead off in the nine hole. There's right. nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. That's also a very logical choice. So there's nothing like bad with that that belief. It's I just I like the idea. Of, you need somebody else then to extend the lineup in the middle. He's a great back control guy, but he's also a very good get on guy, and he what? sets tables. Abif, I have a question for you to turn this around. Now, are you okay. thinking about Magical at five or six because you were thinking about how bad, you know, Nacion was throughout this year, not having anyone in right field that was a consistent. So what if they actually upgrade at those positions? And then you can put those guys in there and then just keep Magical nine. Yeah, you know, I, that's, I think that's the thing that brought it up in my head was like, oh, wow, you know, this, this is a crisis. And so, like, how, how do you fix a crisis? But it also got me thinking, he has this very unique skill that basically no one else has. Like, three other guys make contact like he makes contact in the majors, right? This, this just don't exist. And so when you have a unicorn, you don't always know the right way to deploy it, you know? You look at his, like, on-base percentage, and you're like, okay, well, the guy's got a good on-base percentage. But it's more than that because it's it's a batted ball on-base percentage. So what do you do with this? We have this special weapon. And I just was trying to think, like, how could you deploy it in a way – you know, maybe we're not thinking about it. And that's probably, maybe it's fucked up and maybe he should just, you know, stay where he's at. I don't know. But you just kind of look at it from the perspective of when you got a rare thing, let's try something. Let's see what you got. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I like him. I felt like, especially with the shortened season and the way the season was going, I think the nine hole was good, kind of like a security blanket. Like, don't worry about a kid. You're batting nine. He looked at that lineup card, saw himself at the bottom. So, all right, I just got to get on base. And then I got the AL batting leader or reigning batting champ behind me, and we'll figure it out from there. But it could be something they fuck with. I mean, I think a big difference in Nick Magical's game as a whole is going to have a full offseason and an actual spring training. Now, I say that because I know and I see it in the comments and I see it on Twitter all over the place. He fucked up on the bases a couple times, okay? And I've said it on the show a bunch of times as well where it looks like the game was going faster than he thought. He was running in situations where in college or in double or triple A, he beats that throw to third or he beats that throw to second. So he was running it out and – I think he, we saw he was learning on the fly with a lot of that. Um, so I think that's going to improve. Uh, the fielding was fine. I, I'd like it to be a little bit better. It wasn't the gold glover you saw in the minor leagues. But, again, that comes with learning shifts, learning ballparks. That's going to be fixed. Um, I just needed to say that for my own uh, sanity because <laughs> a lot of people been catching. He had a bad game, too, in Oakland. I mean, there's no way to put it. The ball hit the lip. On the, he just needs to position himself better on the shift. Um, and I don't think that whole getting to third was cut and dry. I think he was in the slide when the ball got past the fielder. So he popped up. Whatever. I'm not – I'm done. I'm, <laughs> Father, so you, the other thing you got to think about with the with the base running, and, and it, you know, some of these plays that they he, – he got the he got the poor luck side of what happened. A lot of those things were coin flips or close right. to them. And a lot yeah. of times he makes it in those spots. He mm-hmm. just happened to hit a streak where he didn't make it in a bunch right. of them in a row. So it looked a lot worse than it likely was. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you learn something from it, and I think he will. That's what I think. I, I'm really not worried about 29 games worth. I, I'm not that concerned. I, I look yeah. forward to him in 2021. Let's see what he's got. 29 games, he struck out seven times. He's yeah. one of the best hitters in baseball with two strikes. Everybody needs to come. I, it's funny because I, I start doing my offseason plan. I start searching words on Twitter, which is always a, just a terrible mistake. But <laughs> I start seeing, <laughs> yeah, just trade Magical and bring in Tommy LaStella. What? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, he sucked in game two. Just, just please stop. But so, no, but that's definitely something to think about. Nick Magical in the middle. I like it as a – the way you – angled it was I like that as a bridge because but to all those point too if we have a lineup that ha- includes a, and we're going to get to our offseason plan but a Jock Peterson or a Michael Brantley and then you have a Brayu at DH with Vaughn playing first now I want him more in that nine hole because I want the meat lined sure. up so I guess a lot of that depends on what we're going to talk about next but uh, just looking at the comments uh, to go through here. Let me see. What We got anything else besides people telling me? Yeah, yeah. Where is Rick Hans end of the season press conference? Yeah. That, uh, that, and it's also a drinking game every time you mention Jock. So oh, cheers. And then, <laughs> uh, Billy Drink. Beautiful. Damn it. And the Vinnie Duber uh, article about uh, do you really want to do you really want to sign a starting pitcher to all right, we'll st- by the way, you're on, you're on, you're on jock duty. By the way, okay. spelled J O C though. Not J- there's no J- K in there, so you're not on that duty. You're on just <laughs> totally different duty. Yeah, I'm, gonna duty. Go, I'm five years old. I, I might have to bounce and go grab the <laughs> model. <fucking> hell. <laughs> um, let's start with the Vin. Did you see the Vinny article? I'm pretty sure you did. Beef. Uh, I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't read the state's news and I don't listen to the state's podcast, so you'll yeah. have to fill me in. Yeah, that was perfect. I mean, here's the comment under the under the when he tweeted out the article. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't I don't read that stuff generally. I mean, I nothing against I I, I like Chuck and you know yep. I've interacted with him a few times. Nice enough guy, yep. but I don't need the info that's being fed directly. I'll get just the beat reporter stuff, like the actual information. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, when you're when you're doing what what we all do. We need to formulate our own opinions on these I things. And so I don't want it clouded with whatever they're talking about. I do read other people's stuff and listen to what other people have to say, but I want them to be independent minds like you guys and us and some of the other blogs. I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't need to hear what they, but, but I, I'll, I'll listen. What, what, what happened? I'll, what, what I'll paraphrase. Okay. So someone put a gun to Vinny's head <laughs> and yeah. he had a right that going out and getting a veteran starting pitcher might not be in the team's best interest because it would be taking a spot from one of these guys that have been told that they're next up. Is he is he aware of something called a minor league option? Because we got a few of those on some of these guys, and we got stacking a lot of talent is usually a good idea. I mean, uh, we don't we don't know. Your Cubs guys here know about trying to like formulate a good roster so they can go mm-hmm. on a little playoff run and get in five out of six years. And then we we donked our way in once here. We're kind of we're trying to head that way. So. I don't know. I think it usually makes sense to accumulate the talent. They, these guys know. We don't know yet. So. I just think if we had this abundance of starting pitching young arms, maybe we don't run into the fucking clusterfuck that was game three in Oakland. Correct. Timing I is mean, everything, though, too. That's true. B, if you, I think you tweeted about it after like the last month of the season, after the trade deadline, which was that meme. It was like, what's the Sox plan? It's like, to stay healthy. 
Yeah, just basically stay healthy. Yeah. And it, we saw what happened at the end in Oakland. It's like, hey, didn't have anyone they can count on to be a game three starter. So he had to do a bullpen game. And then one guy gets hurt and it's, the entire game plan gets derailed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told these guys, I told them both. And I think you were on that train too. We're like, hey, you don't have to trade your entire future to get a quality starting pitcher. You can trade yeah, like yeah. Some of these guys that are are just not you know gonna work out and right now it doesn't seem they're gonna work out you can be aggressive you don't have to go over the top you don't have to go theo epstein trade uh like two two of your top prospects for like a number three starter but you right, could right. trade like some lower guys in your minor league system for like a pretty decent arm this summer i don't know what the, i think one of the guys you wanted was dylan bundy right that's yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy I've wanted for years. Yep. And they they could have bought him low from Baltimore for a couple of years and didn't. And then the Angels bought him low. And obviously, whatever's going on in Baltimore, they sometimes have a hard time developing starting pitchers. And then when they go other places, mm-hmm. they do better. And you know, the, he had the pedigree and everything. But yeah, I mean, although just counterpoint to what you said, one of the things we speculated after they did absolutely nothing at the deadline when it was pretty clear they could use something was the Sox either had one of two situations going on. One. They still considered 2020 to be a bit of a hybrid year where they're still looking at development as much as they're looking at competing. Mm-hmm. Or two, maybe the middle-range prospects that the White Sox have, these other teams aren't interested in. Maybe they think they're shit. I mean, like, everyone's got to be 10th or 11th on a team's list, but that doesn't mean someone else wants them. I mean, that's just your 10th or 11th best guy. So I don't I don't know. Whatever, whatever the thinking was, they obviously chose to do nothing, and we've talked about this a little bit on, on the 108 podcast. I see, like, the post-game show guys overreacting to this and Stoney and, and Jason overreacting to this. They didn't give a shit about winning the division. They didn't make a move at the deadline to try and win the division, and they kept trotting out stuff that they're clearly trying to develop. Don't worry about them winning the division. They made their playoff spot. They don't care. Like, I don't know why the fans can get it, and then the people who are on TV are just uh, clueless. Like, oh, I can't believe they, they had this – know this terrible uh run down the stretch they didn't win the division they didn't care no and i think there's a an option c um, as i put up three fingers an option c (laughs) to what you were just saying there's also what i think happened is these other gms called han and were like you don't have fucking pitching i want andrew vaughn i want this i want that for this slapdick and he was Thank God he said no, but what the fans, what, you know, us idiots on Twitter need to remember is we don't know what those conversations went like, because right. it could have easily been what you said where Han called these guys up and it was like, I'm going to give you this guy, this guy, this is a sick deal. And they're like, dude, those guys suck. Like they're going to be in your minor league system forever. Like right. cool. steel Walker, here's Mazzara. Woo. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, or the other way around, I still think they call Cleveland on Clevenger, and Cleveland's like, yeah, give me, let's say, Tim Anderson and Andrew Vaughn. And you yeah, know what I mean? It was like, it's it's like, like that asshole like trade. Like yeah. When someone sends you a bad fantasy trade, and you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, sure, here, here is a McCaffrey for your fucking kicker. That's basically what they sent back. <laughs> right. You got like, no. like this is what we're going to take from you. You're in the division. So but you do have to part with something. You can't. Right. You can't get too you gotta attached. You, you, gotta gotta, you actually got to have to give up a goodie, one of the goodies, to get something. But which you one gotta, is it? Yeah, you got to give a little. I I understand that. And we'll see. And, again, we're about to dive into our offseason. 
there are the thing the slacks now they don't necessarily have to give up anyway exactly mm. so Get the money not yet not yet they don't yeah you're right that's just <laughs> just greenbacks exactly okay just greenbacks yes. right it now. is if they're going to spend yeah if they um, want to yeah but that's the one so there's a couple things that white Sox twitter likes to go and just beat on the same drum and it's wow i'm glad we didn't get anybody at the deadline we get it that's a you're super great take you're right we, I, I think everybody that has ever watched the white Sox, likes the white Sox, all agree we could have used another pitcher for game three in oakland okay they fucked up they didn't make that move but what i'm trying to get across to people is yeah he's drinking the champagne of beers um that's nice is that we don't know what those conversations from the chugs by the way we don't know what was asked. We don't really know what in a shortened COVID filled season, the value is of some of these white Sox prospects. If the price for Lynn was two top 100 prospects, why would see? I don't know. That's, that's where we're at with that. And I understand where the sun times and where Chuck and, you know, stuff like that, where they come from with some, they got to write what they're fed. I get it. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. Father, so can I can I uh, rebut that? Why why would you pay the two top hundred prospects for uh, for Lynn? This is strictly hypothetical, but in reality, you're only going to have a certain amount of bites at the apple here, right? The Cubs are what just went through their window, and and maybe they got one more year left, kind of at the end here. We'll see what they end up doing in the offseason. But that was six years, and they made the playoffs five times. I don't know if the Sox will be that lucky. So maybe in the next six years, let's say we think the Sox make the playoffs four times out of that. Well, one of them just happened, and you did not act on it at all. You didn't give yourself an extra chance to win in the tournament. This is the whole point of it. Like, I get it for this one weird year. Maybe you can make the excuse that it's not a good idea to make a move there. But let's face it. If they had Lance Lynn, they'd probably beat the A's, and they're playing the Astros right now. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, mean I, I, I think it's, they're probably they're that close. To, to have gotten past the first round. So why do you do it? Well, it improves your probability of, of winning. You know, yeah, are you going to win the 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 trade based on war long-term? No, but who gives a fuck? You're trying to right. win titles, not uh, – or playoffs games and titles, not, you know, not not try to be GM of the year six years from now. Absolutely. No, I agree. And, yeah, no, I, I think so. So let's go. Let's go. We got we – got, See, normally, Beef, this is when me and you would go off on a tangent for another 45 minutes about this. But the Bears are playing the Bucks tonight, and we're doing this live. By the way, you should probably go to PointsBet, type in promo code Mockery, get plus fucking 86 points for the Bears, get some free money. What's up, K-Fids? I was just trying to point at it, but yeah, yeah I do have a question for Beef, though. But All right, go ahead. Shoot your question. No, I got to run because I got to refill my drink because I – grossly underestimated how quickly I was going to drink that. So I'm going to go grab something to drink. You guys talk amongst yourselves, and then we're going to get into off-season plans. Okay, well. Don't stare at my butt. Since we have instrumental time for a second. Well, here, I want to piggyback off that whole point about specifically the landslide and like that hypothetical that was going around. So what were your thoughts at the end? And I think you said, you also pointed, uh, made a good point how, you know, this was really a look at what we have here with some of the rotation arms, like a Dylan Cease, like what is he? Uh, you know, right. Lopez, you know, eventually I think we found out what he is. Right. Uh, yep. But what are your thoughts on like, let's say like a Dylan Cease going forward? Because like, he was like the one guy being popped up in that, you know, like 
hypothetical trade situation with Lynn. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have done it for Dylan Cease if it was like Dylan Cease for Lance Lynn straight up. I absolutely would have done it and wouldn't have blinked on it. Now, mm-hmm. Dylan Cease has a lot of potential and he has all the raw parts, but as a professional, he's always walked the entire ballpark and that still hasn't changed. And that's basically the thing that he's got to fix. And until he does it, he's not going to be, uh, I mean, he's not even, he was like replacement level for his first 26 starts of his career so far. So like, I get it. You get time. There's a there's a gestation period to birthing a good starting pitcher. But I mean, you know, would I have done it to improve the Sox chances of getting past that first round 10% or whatever? Yes, for sure. Now, that's not everybody. I, maybe I want to get in there too quick. And I understand, a lo- you know, there is a long-term view, but that's what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so to oh, – I didn't get to ask my question, though. Lombardo, no, I was just called 108 Thick, and I take that as a very nice compliment. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I got to ask this question real quick before the time runs out, and I forget. Beef Loaf, tonight, if you had your choice, start the Bears defense against Tom Brady or wait and start the New Orleans defense against the Chargers on Monday night. Had to choose. Oh, I would, I'd go New Orleans uh, against the Chargers. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You the tiebreaker, Yeah, you got me. Okay, good job. <laughs> you are the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker has been chosen. It has spoken. All right. Did you guys talk about Dylan Cease while I was gone? Yeah. I was no, we just talked about you, really. Oh, oh, that's pretty mediocre. Yeah, he just needs to learn how to move his fastball. Once he just that, just put and see. In my offseason plan, we're going to get a guy that could teach him how to cheat and put more spin on his fastball. I like this. And then. Yeah, it, he's well worth the money. Aldo brought up that he could teach him how to cheat, and it's a good idea. <laughs> it's worth it. Hey, he said it himself. Yep. <laughs> Maybe no drones, but we'll get to it. Um, you know when they call things like the cardinal way or they call this our system? It's basically the vets teaching the other younger pups how to fucking cheat. That's it. Yeah. How do you do it? <laughs> that's, that's, that's tradition right there, guys. How to be crafty veteran. <laughs> crafty veteran means Crisco on the titty. Yeah. I'm off board. So let's get into off season. So the way we're going to do this, listen, before we get a hundred comments that Jerry Reinsdorf is cheap and he's not going to pay the money, we get it. Okay. We've all been Sox fans for a very long time. We all understand that. So you've just, just save, save yourself the typing. Um, (laughs) So basically what I ask of Beef Loaf and what I've done myself is we're going to put together what we think is a realistic plan, but granted, I'm going to say names that I know are going to probably be priced out of the White Sox, and I'll preference that. So last offseason, we saw some spending. We saw Yasmani Grandal, which I think – I would say he was the guy we thought he, we were going to get with him. For sure. Yep. Took some walks, didn't really hit for average, showed a lot of pop towards the end of the year. Great. Good catcher. I don't know what it was up with his fielding this year. It wasn't really. No, that's him. That's that's him. Just, I think, I think yeah. that's what he does. Like he, a great framer, and then the rest of it's a little bit off. And that's why, that's why uh, you know, he the Dodgers didn't resign him. You know, like that, I think there's. True. Yeah, that's true. And I've never 
given so much of a shit about pitch framing than I did this year. I don't know if that was just me, but I was watching it way more. I, I felt like James McCann was doing it a lot more this year. I don't know if that's Yaz teaching him, whatever. So we saw him spend some money with Yasmani Grandal. Spent some money, went out, got Dallas Keiko, who was, for me, he, out, he outdid my expectation. And, again, save your fingers. I understand he sucked in that game against Oakland. But during the regular season, he was fantastic. We saw some leader in the clubhouse shit. We saw a lot of good stuff. Yankees just hit another damn home run. Um, so, Dallas Keiko, good signing. Um, so, to me, that showed that the, the pocketbook was maybe someone got a crowbar in there and inched it open a little bit and got some money out of it. But if – the Sox are going to get farther than they did this year. If they're going to have a more successful season, because I 100% agree with you, Loaf, that we're seeing it. We saw it with the Cubs. We're seeing it with the Cubs. You never know how long this window, this hyperbial window is going to be there. So I would hope, you would hope, we all would hope who watch this season that the powers at bay would realize that this is the time you need to go for it. You need to spend some fucking money and get those missing pieces. Now, I don't think that in this, what we're going to do right now, we're going to blow your mind by saying the white Sox need starting pitching and a right fielder. I'm pretty sure that's what I put out a poll today. I think I got 300, 400 votes and 90% said starting pitching. I think we all saw it. So it's, it's not, but what I want to do now is just throw out some possible names, some possible situations. Um, the way that I see this is we'll, we'll, you and I will both throw out names, Beef, because being fans here, and we'll all encompass in the conversation because KFIDS is always really good from giving us the coaching point of view and, like, that, and then all those really good at laughing at me and telling me I'm fucking dumb. It all comes into play. Like, <laughs> yes, I'll have these really big hopes and dreams. I'll be like, they're going to go out and they're going to trade for DeGrom, man. And all they'll be like, what are you talking about, you idiot? And that's <laughs> he, he brings me back to middle. So, so you can get DeGrom. You just got to trade. Everyone, you know, they, they, have to, they actually have to trade all of Winston Salem, <laughs> like the city, including the city. Yes. So, oh, Mr. Han, you're breaking my heart. Just so everyone knows, Mr. Han started this on a very enthusiastic, optimistic note by saying Bauer will be Machado 2.0 and cute <laughs> Jose Quintana will be the Alonzo J. Oh, damn it, Mr. Uh, Han. No. You, so, so that means Mr. Han truly believes that, uh, that Han's going to go to bed thinking he has Bauer in his back pocket. Yes. And then wake up in the next morning and find out he's moving. <laughs> I mean, well, let's get to it right away because obviously that's the number one guy. Trevor Bauer. Yay. Are you guys ready to get played the entire offseason from by him? You got to get Bauer. Who, if you could pay him, pay him. Pay the man. He's a dick, but he's great. Yeah, ba- Bauer is for sure the number one uh, starting pitcher, but he's he's not as risk-free as he looks. He's not a typical ace in a market where you're looking for an ace for a couple of reasons. One, uh, as K-Fed's mentioned, He's got a little bit of character flaws, which you know you, you're going to have to tread lightly with that, and it's well documented. It's it's been out in the oh, public. Yeah. It's in the MVP machine. It's everywhere. The other thing is is like 
he's kind of a bad fit the way he pitches for our ballpark because he's going to throw a lot of fly balls when mm-hmm. people make contact off of him. So when he has a good year where he, he limits the home runs like this year, well, he's going to dominate. And when he has a year where he has problems limiting the home runs and limiting the walks, he, he really limited walks this year too. Yes. Um, if, if he slides back to his career norms, I mean, you might be looking at a five ERA in our ballpark. And that's not, I mean, like, he, there's a lot of volatility for for as good as he is. Beef, do you think do you think that 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 personality too, especially with um, when you when you, I mean you hate to say it, but a guy like Bauer in a demographic like the White Sox locker room really is. It's it's more of a it, it does have more of a a little more anti flash kind of flair, or not not an anti, but he is more of an anti kind of flash kind of flair. He's 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 someone that could offend a ton of the dudes in the clubhouse. Is he? But, uh, he yep. feels like he feels like well, I mean, he gets a reputation. He's he, he reminds me of a Kurt Schilling. Like, would you throw a Kurt Schilling esque personality? Maybe like on social media, on the with, mound. With honestly, look, there's all they're talking about. I'm looking at the White Sox locker room. And I see a, a fun-loving locker room that's having a blast and partying it out. Where I look at Bauer is like literally like Debbie Downer. He's the guy that like goes out there and like sits in the corner of the party, broods, drinking his beer, talking about how shitty and conformist everybody at the party I is. I honestly haven't seen it. I know what you're talking about. The comparison to Kurt Schilling, like on social just media, seem a good oh, no, fit. No, although that stuff is everywhere. I mean, even in the MVP machine, they talk about him being stringent about wanting to train by himself, by being a loner and just not – it's 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 just his personality and the way it is. So I don't know how – to be honest, Keith, it's, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it depends. Some groups might be just fine with that and, and you know, do what you do or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to handicap. I know Arizona traded them because of these things, and Cleveland right. traded them because of these things. Yep. And then Cincinnati, it seemed to go fine. I mean, it, you didn't hear hardly anything out of there. So I, I guess I guess it depends. It's it's part of the like the extra juice with trying to sign him. Like it's not it's not like a free agent market where there's a no brainer number one guy. This number one guy has some warts, and it'll be a little riskier than normal. That's that's what it feels like. So with Bauer, I see a White Sox team whose leader is Jose Abreu. We all know that. That's No one's arguing that. But the face of the team, which is different than the leader, the face of the team is a guy who spent the entire season trying to build his brand on social media. Okay? He's very outspoken, very flashy, known for his bad flips. Yes, I'm talking about Tim Anderson, known for you know trying to have fun with the game. Now, and a guy like Bauer, I see him on Twitter. He's already fucking trolling all half of the major leagues. He's every game he's watching. He's like the Yankees could use a pitcher. The Red Sox. Here's my playing ticket. Like he's he likes to fuck around, and he already has what it seems like a good razzing type of like relationship with Tim Anderson. Like Ta hit that bomb off him. Put that on your fucking YouTube channel. Bauer three days later put it on the YouTube channel. And the first five minutes of the the episode was Tim Anderson striking out to Bauer, and then he showed the home run. <laughs> like it seems like they got that whole I think he would fit in that aspect because of the whole what he's done on social media. I brought it up a little bit before. I I would like to see him work with Dylan Cease. I would like to see what he can do with Dylan Cease's ninety eight mile an hour fuck you fastball. Because if he can make that thing move, I watched Sixto Santa Sanchez throw for the Marlins today. Granted, he couldn't find the zone to save his life. Marlins got toasted, but he was throwing 100 miles an hour, and that thing was moving up, down, in and out, in the hands. If Cease can learn that, that's a weapon. And I don't know. 
I'm, and this is completely hypothetical. I don't know if Trevor Bauer is the guy to teach him that. Someone, I'm just saying, someone needs to teach him that. You know, you mentioned that though too. Is do you want him to take a little bit off to get there? Yes. Are you okay with him taking a little off to get there? Because sometimes we find out that there, some dudes are told to just uncoil. Some guys are told to taper it back. I know that Chasen told that story on our podcast. Tom Glavin told Chasen to not throw hard. Yes. Chasen threw 88 and got lit. And then he's like, well, I can throw harder than this. He throws 94. Yep. And now all of a sudden, what is he? He's the best reliever, left-handed, left-handed yep. reliever. The he he's talking about Chasen <laughs> Sharif, uh, a, a reliever for the Mets. He's been on our show a couple times. He okay. was actually – He was able to soften it up. Oh, what a dumbass, Tom Glavin. Anyway. Stupid Hall of Famer. Like, you listen to Hall of Famer. You're like, Hall of Famer. <laughs> Henry Rodengarner. Just right. wrote it. All right. So, for, <laughs> for the sake of, of time, let's beef. What, let's say Bauer calls up, calls up the White Sox right now, says, I'm interested. I like what you guys are fucking doing. Make me an offer. What are you throwing uh, at? I mean, it depends. Is he still uh, stringent on his one year? He's going to go yes. year by year of contracts. I mean, I, I, it's also difficult because of uh, there's basically a baseball recession going on, right? Because they, yes. they haven't had fans and payrolls are going to be lower. The I don't know. know all about that. <laughs> Just pulling yeah. a number out of the air. What is it? One, one year, thirty million or something like that. I mean, that feels kind of in the ballpark for so. recession and and for kind of prime of career it probably would be higher uh you know any other year maybe it would be 40 million or so, something for a single year mm-hmm. but let's say one in 30 i'm going with one in 30 uh sport track does their player valuations i usually like what's the other one although that's way better uh there's cot cot's good uh, and then oh and then uh what is it fangrass always does their fangrass, that's the better it- one but for the sake of doing this show, I looked at the one that Sportrack put up, and they had him valued at twenty-one seven per year. I think that's okay. way low. I think that's way low. low. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be more in the twenty-eight to thirty. The only, only reason I'm entertaining the idea that the Sox might land a Trevor Bauer is because he wants to do the one-year things. Because we all know Jerry doesn't like to give pitchers long-term deals. So that's true. That's one thing. So all right. Outside of Trevor Bauer, we needed to get that out of our system. We need to get that. <laughs> that's the first name. When you talk about White Sox offseason, that's the first name that comes up. So, beef, with starting pitching being, in my mind, the focal point this offseason, outside of Trevor Bauer, why don't you go ahead give me two names? Uh, I mean, the, the in my opinion, the next two guys – in the marketplace behind him, if, if you couldn't get him, I don't think they have a chance at getting any of the top two or the two of the top three or anything. Okay. But Marcus okay. Stroman for me is number two. Marcus Stroman, uh, even he sat out the year, but he, he would be my number two. And number three for me is Masahiro Tanaka. And when you start getting even to Tanaka, you start realizing how weak the, uh, the free agent market is yes. for starting pitching. I mean, one of the reasons I think the White Sox tried to see everything they could from their starters internally it's because they probably kind of saw this coming. They could see, like, oh, that's not a very strong market. And the way they're sitting right now, I think they need at least two established starters to throw in here and to push back some of the younger players that they have. So they're not depending on a predominantly young uh, rotation that really could fall flat, uh, you know, in a year when you should be a playoff. So I agree, and it it, it does kind of hurt. After watching Tanaka get absolutely fucking spanked on his bottom by the Rays. Maybe that's better. Maybe his price will be lower. That's true. <laughs> I love 
I like. I am also. Bauer would be sweet, but I'm big on the Marcus Stroman trade. I feel like he's a better pitcher. To your point earlier, I think he's a better pitcher in this ballpark because he's more of a ground ball guy, and he's more. Yeah. And I also, because we brought it up, I think he fits this culture a little bit better that the White Sox have established. He's got. You know, he's got the clothing line. He's got the social media presence. He's got the the swagger, but he also throws, like, a lot of emotion on there. And are you laughing at Tyler Chatwood? Yeah. No, we don't want Tyler. Yeah, but the thing – well, that's – it's funny, but it's a good point. When you start looking past those top three guys, yes. there are just all gambles in the marketplace. Like, I was looking, I was looking at Rick Porcello. I'm like – they the Sox could just use someone to take the ball for thirty starts. Yes, and Rick Porcell stunk this year, but his FIP was pretty decent, and he he used to throw a lot of ground balls. Like he kind of doesn't anymore. But it's like, <laughs> who do you take a gamble on in that marketplace? You can just pick guys out of a hat, and you don't know if you're getting one that's going to perform this year or not. Somebody yeah, snag Jake Ozer- o- Odorizzi. Get get Odorizzi. Yeah, I mean Odorizzi is hurt this year, right? Yeah, I mean, he's so a free agent. His contract's up. He's a, he's UFA. Yep. Yeah, take exactly. I mean, there's. A, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Robbie Ray two years ago was really good. He's a that's free agent. He's, that's, that's he stunk this last year. You know, like who do you, you get? You got gambles out there, baby. That's mm-hmm. what it is. The gambles are actually where you make your pay grade. It's taking the gamble. It's, that's what Theo has made. Theo has done that. He takes absolute chances on players that may or may not pan. Jake Arietta is 100 percent a walking example of a dude that didn't get it done, and then somehow under the system that was selected for him, boom. <laughs> You got a fucking no hitter guy. You got a, a a legend, really. That Cubs fans are still drooling over, even though he's mediocre now. But it is that's what you do. You you find your you find your wounded ducks that can be nursed back to health. I think be figured out. Be figured out. Just look at every former Oriole. Yep. I think Kevin. I think Kevin Gossman was uh, with the Orioles too, right? Yeah, yeah. Another guy. <laughs> Just look at all former there. Orioles that didn't know how to develop their pitching staff, and then Zimmerman decided. healthy yet? Is Zimmerman healthy? I, no, I don't know. He's a free agent too. He's, yeah. he's been bad, and he's he's yeah. also old. I mean, like he's not getting any younger. Yeah. Kids, you bring up a great you bring up a great point though about that is where where Theo has made his money. That's also coincidentally where Rick Hahn has been awful. Like he's been terrible at bringing in these. He he did strike with with Omar Narvaez way a little further back, and then more recently with James McCann. I mm-hmm. uh, you know ironically both catchers, but otherwise his low end free agent buys and, and trades have all been bad. No 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 one's panned like. You almost feel like the guy's unlucky. Like, how, how could you even be this bad randomly? Like, <laughs> you got to be trying, yeah, exactly, to be that bad. So I almost feel like they'll—they're just bound to get lucky on someone. But but you're totally right. They've got to hit someone in the lower part of the market, a gamble, and that turns into a, a legit player. Yeah, some of the names that I have, I had Odorizzi maybe come back from injury. I had Mike Miner as Mike a guy Lee. that might be able to take that ball and right. take, eat those innings for you. And then yeah, I wrote down Robbie Ray because I think he's a fucking psychopath, and I like those guys. Because have you ever watched him pitch? Like, have you? Did you watch him pitch this year at all? No, I didn't get a chance to see him this year. He, I saw him pitch one game, in, uh when he was still with the Diamondbacks, and after every pitch, he would throw the ball and then just scream, like he would throw it <laughs> and it'd be higher nineties, and he would just after he released, he just ah, and he has, he actually has hair like you, 
He's got the, the long black hair and like long, long flow. Ah, yeah, he's got the flow going there. Let the flow loose. Oh my goodness! It's just get hotter in here. Uh, <laughs> what do you What do you guys? So here, I'm gonna throw this out there because he's he got crapped on a lot by Diamondbacks fans too because he opted out of the season. <clears throat> but uh, Mike Leake, what do you guys think of a rested, healthy Mike Leake who could come in at a pretty decent discount after the after the opt out? Rolling out, yes, maybe yes, he's yeah, a free I, agent. I, he's also a free agent. I like guys like that. I, I, I like a guy that's gonna is generally durable, takes the ball a bunch. <clears throat> that's really what the Sox kind of need right now. We're we're all talking, and don't get me wrong, I'd love to have one of these higher on pitchers, but just give me two guys that are gonna make 30 starts and be league average, and yeah. the Sox are gonna be set. If you could guarantee if you could tomorrow guarantee me, just here, we're gonna put two pitchers in there, and they're both gonna make 32 starts and they'll just be perfectly league average. I would take that. And I don't care who they are. So you mean 301 starts in 10 years? That's a pretty good one. That looks pretty good, right? That's the kind of guy that, that they really need. They need someone to Back take end. the ball. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. Again, mm-hmm. real quick, guys, because we're coming up to the Bears game. We're going to go into the Bears game. I'm I'm not done with you, Loaf. We're going to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so, good. I got plenty of beer here. Yeah. That also means... It's going to slur as we go on. So yeah, and it's going to get a little slurry. We'll have, to, we'll have to slow down the broadcast. I got the whole bottle those. of moonshine right here. Um, <laughs> but before Shit. the Bears game starts, download the Points Bet app, promo code Mockery. You're getting 86 damn points. It's literally free money. I know the max bet on it's 25 bucks, but that's still, that's a couple cases of beer. Uh, if you're one of these guys that, like to go to pumpkin patches. I'm pretty sure that'll pay your gate fee. I don't know why you go and do that. You can go buy a bag of apples for five bucks. But anyways. Hey, so question about this tonight yes. with point bet. What are some good point bet bets that, that tonight you would you would make if we were to say? <laughs> he says as he's curiously looking at his phone. Curiously well, <laughs> looking at point bet right now. A lot of people like uh, seeing that it's illegal in the state of Nevada. I'm kind of fucked. So a, a lot of people have been hitting on uh, picking guys to be the first score to score a touchdown. What'd you bet? I I took a Rob a or you could bet the over uh, the Bears straight up. I think they're three and a half point dogs or three four point. Um, I think the overs at forty four and a hook. Um, but, or another thing that people like to do that's been kind of popular recently is do a parlay of anytime scores. If you think a guy's going to score a touchdown, throw in an anytime score in a parlay. And those have been paying out pretty good. And you can do all kinds of shit at points, bet, and you're getting free bets. I mentioned them all earlier. I'm not going to read again because I'm starting to get a headache from reading. So, so what are those, what are those, what are those things called when you put multiple bets together? What do they call that? That's a parlay. <laughs> you, you you had to put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Like that's no, that's what's called uh, what I do on the golf course when I meet a beautiful. Never mind. So back to White Sox jerk promo code mockery. Uh, who's going to be the closer next year? Column A is gone, right? I don't think he's gone. Makeup table moonshine. <laughs> Mailman Jack is really loves my makeup table. Every man needs a makeup table. What do you? What's what's the thing, Jack? Do you think I just wake up and this happens? Yeah, he, he that doesn't, doesn't. That's not how. That's not how this works. Beauty is a process. Yes, it's a process. <laughs> I love mailman Jack. I'm a huge fan. Um, column A. Let's okay. We'll go. We'll go from stars to column A. So I think they resign him. 
for how much though is is the magic? Do you think they resign? I'm sorry, Beef. Do you think he comes back or no? I mean, I would love it. I, I think I it would, would be a it, yeah. I think it would be a wise move to resign him. Uh, and, and the reason being is, you know, you're going into competitive. It's I get the the whole you know mix and match the bullpen, use guys you know uh, optimally for matchups, etc. But the problem is there is some weird psychology to being the closer, and some guys seem to do it a lot better than other guys. And and no st- st- uh, st- uh, statistics can really explain it, but it happens. So I think when you're a good team, you want to have a proven guy in there. And if you look at who else is out there, the market stinks for closers. I mean, it's Kalame and Liam Hendricks. And then if you want to buy some rebounds on, on guys who are injured, you know, Ken Giles or or Brad Hand's out there. He was terrible this year, but, I mean, he's out there. There's a few guys, but, I, I mean, I, I as much as I like Cody Hood, I don't want to be a closer yet. I would like to have a closer here and maybe – Sort of start weaning him onto the role. So the other options that I've heard that have been talked about in the White Sox Twitterverse is moving Aaron Bummer to closer. Um, I think if he could stay healthy, okay. Um, Lefty closers, though, kind of scare me. Ideally, yeah, he, have, do, he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have bad splits though, so he's right. he's good at getting right-handed hitters out too. So he should he'd probably be okay. Colme, and then I'm gonna throw this out there. You can Easy. no fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll bring again. <laughs> Michael Kopech. I've been saying it for two years now. I think he's gonna be a do- he could be a dominant closer. I mean, I don't know if he's gonna be in anything anytime soon. I mean, we have to kind of wait. It's been two and a half years since he's pitched. I mean, we you just yep. kind of don't know. Like I, I was gonna bring this question, to you guys. Uh, and I, then I held it because I, I thought we were going to cut off at seven. But now since we're going to go no, past into go. the Bears game, yeah, we're gonna I was going to ask you, and I, I want to know an honest answer from the three of you. Which White Sox uh, young starting pitcher has the most trade value in your opinion? Would it be Kopech, Cease, or Dunning? Because if you're looking to structure a trade, as we talked about before, they don't. no one wants the middle – no one wants Jonathan Steve. Like no. he's a nice guy to have if hopefully he becomes a guy. But uh, mm-hmm. there's no one like kill, knocking down your door to get – who do you guys like out of those three? Who do you think has the most trade value? Contracted, cheap, controllable contract. That's it. Wait, so, was, I have to say, I can't. That's hard. I don't know who has the uh, best trade value. But I think the worst is Kopech, just because right. he hasn't been two and a half years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because of that, right? Yeah, yeah because you, of it. You just don't know. Like, we haven't seen – yeah, we saw him pitch, like, what, that couple of spring inning uh, – or spring training, couple innings. Like, he was still, still throwing 100, but – that was like one inning things. I don't. I have no clue what he looks like. Yeah, he's, he's also still though the the one who was the highest on any of the prospect list and still mm-hmm. is. That's what makes it so confusing, right? I don't know which guy is a guy you could actually move for something. And then Dunning's just coming off his Tommy John. Oh, hold on. I was gonna say I think we're seeing in baseball too that the, the the team control stuff is huge. It's right. everything. Like these yeah. these 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 owners these well GMs whatever or cheap owners whatever you want to call them like Scrooge McRicket. They're they're legit sitting on this this uh, this time you know until the, until the collective bargaining agreement makes the change these dudes are sitting on this time this service time loophole so which yeah. which player has the most control what's the most economical option because cease I think it would be cease obviously right so cease or I, Dunning I mean they, I think Dunning yeah. might have a little bit more control yeah. but okay see, I, this is the, this you is how I look I mean, if I'm an opposing GM I see Dylan cease as a buy low option. 
that I can bring in and have my pitching coach teach him how to move his fucking fastball, and now I have a, a number two starter. So I think Cease is the sexiest option. I think Dunning gets you the bigger return, and no one wants Kopik right now. I mean, someone <laughs> might want to take a chance on him, but yeah. again – I've got I've gone I've gone a deep lengths with this where I get it with Kopik. Like, you know, I, I understand some people like to poke fun about like his girlfriend dumped or his wife dumped him and he was sad so he didn't play. I think it's a little bit deeper than that, but I also you don't know what you're gonna get with that guy now. I think he's too big of a financial risk. I think because of his rankings on those lists that you've brought up yeah. that the asking price for him would be a little bit larger than a Dunning and a Cease. And I don't think anyone's going to pay that. So I think realistically Cease is the first guy that would get traded because I think that's the most sexy option. Dunning okay. would bring back the most. And again, I don't think anyone's paying the Copic asking price. I just think that's it goes. Good, that yeah. That's right there. Yes. Um, that's value. I mean, years yeah, are value. years are value to these franchises now. Years are millions of dollars. Chris Bryant literally has lost twenty five million dollars, roughly, because of one day of service time. Like when you look at this, that's a lot of money for some of these owners. These these these. If they're told to cut payroll, and they're told to you know you can go get a cease or or uh, even a Dunning where you got you got some team control. It's still arbitration eligible. Their performance does matter and what they're getting paid. Mm. Whereas you know. It, you don't really get that guarantee when you get someone. So I think the teams that they're looking at that, that's the most value you're going to get. That's, that's a monetary value going along with talent, which you got to have the two, the two now at this point in this economic climate, they have to actually, they have to actually have a, like a, a relationship. That was a great question, Beef, because you could even, because definitely for the Sox side, you're not going to get as much from Kopech just because he hasn't pitched, but like in an opposing view, another team can still view him as, Hey, we still don't know what he is. Maybe he still gets to that ceiling. So you can make the argument like the opposing time. It's like, no, out of those three, I still like Kopik the most out of those three. Healthy so. and rested as well. Healthy and rested. Right. That's why that's why it's interesting. Although I don't know, because he may have the highest ceiling. And if you're if you're an owner and, and like Kayfid said, it's all about control and it's all about kind of what you can harness here. And he hasn't made any money. He has a little less control than the rest of these guys. But if you think that's the highest ceiling guy, maybe that's the guy you're going after. I, I agree with uh, Father Zoe. I mean, like, if I were handicapping uh, how much value I would get out of the three of these guys, I think the safest bet's Dunning to produce stuff because the other two are such wild cards, uh, performance mm -hmm. risk and otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's I, I don't know. And it, it, I, I'll be honest with you, if I were in Rickon's seat, that would be sort of the main thing I'd be trying to figure out right now because that's how you leverage this team. If you could, if you could find an inequity in that, if you think the best guy is one guy and he's lower valued by the rest of the market, that's the guy you keep. And if you think one guy's a little lower on the totem pole there, but everyone in the market wants him, there you go. You got another arbitrage opportunity. Yep. No, I agree. And I mean, if they can move one of them to improve either the bullpen or the right field, I don't know who they would trade for in the outfield, but that would definitely be something that it, I'd be interested in hearing. Um, so moving to the outfield, do I think Lucas – oh, that's a good question. Go, Aldo, will you pull that one up? The latest comment. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, do we think Lucas Giolito gets an extension? From 
a broken profile pic. So, Mr. or Mailman Jack, both of you guys, I don't know why that doesn't work. I, you have great profile pics. So, speaking of Giolito, by the way, his dad, who is an awesome Twitter follow, Mr. Giolito, is. I love it when he puts people in his plate, their place too. It's fantastic. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't do it often, but he will own people on Twitter. But he just tweeted out, they gave him the actual mound that Lucas used for the no-hitter. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's like, cool. But do I think Lucas gets an extension? I mean, you almost have to, but I also know who runs the show in Chicago, what? Although, how much does Lucas have left? I uh, wasn't like twenty twenty four or twenty three. I mean, uh, if, if the one if one, one thing the Sox are good at is working on extensions, they're very good yeah. at that. They are very good at that. They're they're good at that. You're right. I think it's through twenty twenty three. So I think he's a free agent for the twenty twenty four season. So you've got three years of control left with Lucas Giolito. He's heading into Arb one this year. And so I kind of think he will not sign an extension and not because the Sox won't offer it. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they're going to be trying to do that. Right. But the guy's waited this long, and now he's going to get to Arb 1, and he's going to have two top six Cy Young votes underneath his belt after they, they vote for Cy Young again. This He won't win, but he's going to be up there high. And he's going to get a nice pay raise, and then it's going to escalate from there. He's already kind of in the, all right, I'm going to, by the time he's done being with the White Sox, he's going to have made 20 or $25 million in arbitration raises. Uh, why? Why not just wait until you become a free agent and then you make $200 million? Like, I don't know what they could offer. He gets to bet on himself with house money. That's that's exactly what he's yep. doing. He gets to bet on himself with house money. Absolutely. I'm going to get what I'm going to get, and then I'm going to go out either I'm going to perform again like I do, and guess what? It's not a mirage, or I still got your money. <laughs> he'll be, uh, he'll be, yeah, so you're right. Three more, or first year of arbitration, and then he'll be – our boy is the best place ever. <laughs> and to your, you brought it up earlier, Beef. This is a down year for financials in MLB. So that extension offer might not be as sexy as it would have been if they played 162 games. Hold on, time out. Do you guys want to see who wants to come on? Oh, no. Is it the intern? Oh, my God. It's hey, the intern. Yeah. Bring oh, him. my God. It's the intern. Listen. I can't believe I was so shocked. Where's my coffee, bitch? Oh, to see beef loaf in here. I'm in my classroom. I just finished. Yes. yes. Did you give him? And then I heard him say arbitrage. percent <laughs> of our audience understands what arbitrage is. Different. All of the accountants and investors. First of all, managers. Are you still being are you still being a hard ass teacher or are you just gonna give them all A's like I told you? I'm at the point where it's just mailing it in. Are you teaching my glasses fog here? Yeah, buddy. I was gonna say you're looking look at that. Had a hair though. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Nuke. Oh, man, if only you could see, Nuke. My, see the beard. Oh, look at that. Wow. Nuke, is it safe for you to quickly give us a beard reveal? Quickly. I might get fired. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> risk it, risk it. Hold your breath. Totally worth it. Okay, let's see. We gotta see. I need this. Oh, look! It's oh, that's. Oh, so look at wow! That is a lot of chin music. A lot of chin music. I should have some beer, like cake <laughs> in the top, along with some cheese bits. It's, it's so good. It's so good. I just put COVID protocol. This is gonna be public. I'm in trouble. 
<laughs> now we got to now we got to now I got to quarantine the whole fucking room, but it was worth it for us. <laughs> Everybody else. Well, buddy, it's good to see you doing good. Hopefully you give all these kids A's. We can't hear you with your mask on anymore. So <laughs> fog up your glasses. Take care. Stop being a hard ass. Give all Maybe the kids B's and turn on the football game. Nobody wants to see this face this close. No. Well, I mean, you're, you're married. I hope at least one person. Yeah, a couple times. Well, it's good to see you, Luke. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a no, wild. That was my face. That was too. That was go to that list. Jesus, that is a wild, yeah, wild occurrence right there. Like not only do we got Bigfoot on the show, but the rare Bigfoot known as Matt Anuko actually <laughs> popped back onto the show. Beef. I don't know. I think that's an honor, buddy. That's, that's like a. Oh, I, I feel like it is. I mean, a couple things uh, with uh, Nuke coming on. Number one, I know it was pre-planned because I got great flow, but then you had to bring your great flow guy on there to battle me. <laughs> and that's I, I know how you set me up here, Zoe, and, and although you guys, you're famous for this type of shit. And number two, what you guys need to do with this show, okay, it's, it's not going to be okay to do right now. But when we get a little further out, maybe do a little promotion, someone gets to oil up Nuke's beard. All right, that's it. Do run a competition. And they get they get to oil the beard and and that'll be beautiful. He has the mustache where he can start curling, like uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Can I, and, can, I, can I be Frank, or I'll be Ted. Either one. Um, but <laughs> you said oil up, and you lost me at oil up. So <laughs> that's where you're supposed sure. to be lost. <laughs> There's a lot of rewards from this group with the word oil up. If there is some sort of contest, that would really so, <laughs> would really work out well. Um. Where the hell were we? Fuck, we do this all the time. Uh, <laughs> By the way, for those watching, and because I think the last time he was Let's on go. was like when Beef was last on, but that was Matt Anuko <laughs> in his scouting report when he was drafted or when he signed with the Sox. Very athletic body, very loose and coordinated, built like Hall of Famer Robin Yao. Wow. So got it. Yeah. That's and the only reason I know that is because that's what well, that's what he has as his Twitter header. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, yes. he was once compared to Hall of Famer Robin Young. Yes, <laughs> I actually think I can twist my mustache a little bit. I think I'm it looks it. like it, but it but it's like you're the villain when you do it. <laughs> see, yeah, magical's gonna hit 400, you assholes. Yeah, see, um, Willie, I don't. I don't want to speak out of line here, but he asked if the Sunday soak is going to continue as the weather gets colder. You know, uh, in years past, it has. We, we've done soaks. Uh, even we, uh, My Sock Summer and I did a Sunday soak in the snow before. Uh, <laughs> just during, during the winter. Isn't that the best time to do a soak? It, it actually is. So from a perspective of being in the tub, it's great in the cold weather. The only problems are like the technology. So we've got our phones out there. So you got risk of all kinds of shit going wrong. Really, the biggest risk for us doing the Sunday soak, because it's totally DIY. And we, we're idiots. We have no idea. You guys are all media people. We're morons, okay? We don't know how to work anything. So when we're doing this stuff, we have to do it all ourselves. The riskiest thing that we have ever when we're doing the Sunday soak is wind. So I literally had to take a, a, a like a huge cooler and put it out there, and we put the phones and laptops and stuff that we're recording off of inside of it so that don't get knocked over while we're in the middle of, of recording this shit. Because we're in the tub. There's nothing we can do. I'm like, you know, I'm 15 feet away, and I'm soaking wet. I'm not going to be able to grab the phone in time if it's small. So that reminds me of my White Claw, my special White Claw chest that I brought in for podcasts early on this past year when White Claws were popular. I would bring in a gigantic bowl, like a Halloween bowl, 
with ice and then Epsom salt. And then I would put just white claws in them and just leave them on the floor next to myself because I couldn't leave the room because if I did, the dogs would get out too and then they would attack each I'm other. I'm sorry. I'm completely derailed now because I can do this with my mustache. Again, oiled up. Oiled I know. Up. You can be a dastardly villain in a black and white, you know, uh, um, only, you know, soundless film. That's great. Or Bring us back, Aldo. What were we talking oh, about? Uh, Booth brought up the who would have the highest value out of Cease, uh, Dunning, and then Copa. I think we covered that. So and let's then go that was right after talking about the closer with Colome and what do you do with that? Right. And now we need to talk about right field. Your boy. Yeah. Huge, sure. huge hole in the White Sox lineup for a majority of the season. And I'm not buying this shit when he came on late. And had a couple. <laughs> too Me little, either. too little, too late, pal. Um, so there's Mazzara. I think Adam Engel had a really above-average year. I still don't think he's an everyday guy. I think he excels in being the spot start, late-inning replacement. I think once you start forcing guys that are in that position to be starters, that's when you see not the greatest of production. I kind of believe that to be true with McCann too. But that's another right. Yeah, I, I uh, agree with you. So there's some right fielders. There are some valid options, and I was kind of mm, on who I wanted, even though there's a clear favorite. But then I saw a tweet today. I saw a tweet today, Loaf, mm-hmm. and now I'm a hundred percent sold on this guy because I saw Ken NWO say he would rather have a thousand other people than this guy, <laughs> which makes me. All in on Jock Peterson drink. <laughs> I just think Jock, I think it'll be what he make this year. He made $7.75 million this year. I think he would be not the most expensive. I think he takes, he also fills a need with being a left-handed power bat. Not the greatest fielder in the world, but also young. I think he fits the culture of this team. And thick. I, thick. Oh, yeah. He's 108 <laughs> thick. Three Cs. <laughs> he's not a 4C. He's a 3C. <laughs> He'll get there. He'll get He'll there get if he comes here. Um, it's early. It's early. I also would like to see – I know Dodger, the first half. Dodger Stadium is a launching pad, as we're seeing right now in the – ALDS, but I would love to see him play a full season in U.S. Cellular Comiskey rate field. And <laughs> yeah, that's my guy in right field. I mean, I have a couple other names written down here, um, but I don't want to take some off of your list. So, Beef, you're the guest. Who are some of your names that you would like for the outfield? Well, so just to, just to piggyback a bit, um, I think um, the Sox, less than they need sort of a right fielder per se, what they need is a couple of left-handed bats, particularly ones that could play the corner spots. Yes, I think yes. you need two guys here. I think you need a guy in the tier of, of Jack Peterson. He'd, he'd be a fine fit. I personally like Michael Brantley a little better from a from That's the terrible. just straight hitter side uh, because Peterson's a better outfielder than Brantley at this point. Brantley's just like pretending to be he's he'd be Jermaine old Jermaine Die in right field if he was. That's how he's bad. he's bad. But you but you kind of you want to get two of those guys in my opinion. You want to bring in two because then you have the ability to um, you know move Eloy out of the outfield occasionally and let him uh, sit there and DH. 
And then you can shift the lineup depending on if you have sort of, uh, you know, if you have left-handed starting pitcher, right-handed starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. The thing about uh, Jock and why he's such a – and you have to drink now. The thing about Jock and the reason oh. why he's such a good uh, fit for the White Sox is because he absolutely positively does not hit left-handed pitching at all. He doesn't – he should never have a bat when there's a left-handed pitcher up there. But that's fine because you have a good caddy, a good uh, short side of the platoon guy in Adam Engel like we are talking about. I don't really need to see Adam Engel very much against right-handed pitching unless for some reason Luis Robert gets hurt and you have to have your other center fielder out there. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's a great caddy. He's a great guy to play against just lefties. So Peterson would is pro- probably one of his best fits would be with the White Sox because of that. Yes, but I'm, yes. I'm sort of thinking in, in that tier, I, I kind of like Michael Brantley. I kind of like Peterson like you do. Um, the, the, the trade market is basically if you want to go to the Mets and try to trade for one of their million left-handed bats that could play a corner <laughs> outfield spot. Um, I, I looked at Charlie Blackman, but again, I'm too afraid he might be dead. I don't, I don't like, he might come here and stink, but he's been good for a long time. Like, again, he's a corner outfielder guy. Um, and then when I'm looking at that next tier, so like the lower level guys that you could kind of just bring in here and like, okay, you're going to be coming off the bench. Uh, you're not going to start, but, uh, you know, someone that could come in here and give them uh, just that extra left-handed bat that they need, potentially DH occasionally. I mean, I like Robbie Grossman. I would like uh, Nick Markakis. Just a guy who I can depend on that will hit right-handed pitching, doesn't have to play every day. The Sox need to fill that in because this year what you watched is you watched uh, Luis Gonzalez come up and then drop a fly ball in center field. You watched uh, the much maligned Nicky Delmonico come up here and do almost nothing. They don't have the depth in the minors. They can't. We don't say beef. We do not say his name on this show. <laughs> we do not say Nicky Delmonico on this show. He is Voldemort. He you shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't reach into the minors, though, Zoe, oh, uh, no. fellas. You can't reach into the minors and grab an outfielder and say, "Okay, we had injuries. Here you go, drop him in there." Right. So they need to add more. And and as much as I like Larry Garcia, I'd like Larry Garcia much better. If he's just the jack of all trades, pick up a glove wherever he needs to, and not playing agree. like eighty percent of the time. So, percent agree. Do, no. you guys, do you guys? I have a question. Do you guys see any fringe guys that the White Sox could look at and go, "Hey, maybe we package these two, like like a one and a two, like a one A one B that will bring back something that will fix what you would look at as holes in the White Sox lineup, as opposed to like saying one for one or this and this. Are there some maybe some fringe guys like maybe like a Lurie that could bring back something? that could bolster the roster as, as a, as a unit, as opposed to like, just like a one, you know, a lot of times we look at trades as one-on-one. Like, Oh, I don't know if you're going to get a one-on-one. I think you need to package yeah. something like a Micker Aldolfo, a Dylan Cease and a Lurie Garcia, put that together in a package. Maybe you get something decent, but some of the other names I had, uh, I had Jock, Michael Brandley was my number two. I think I had uh George, <laughs> George Springer, which is comical to me because we all want George Springer. George Springer would be fucking sick in this lineup. But he made what he make this year. Oh, I just wrote ha ha. I put my <laughs> I, put, I put all yeah, it my was the, it was in the twenty millions of dollars yeah. in his last hour beer. Like yeah. it was a lot of money. He just destroyed the ALDS too. His price just went way up. And I just don't see Jerry if if he spends that money and you know we're watching George Springer play right field for the White Sox next year. Kevin, what are you doing? Banging on a trash can. 
<laughs> if uh, if we watch right. George Mayer in right field, and I'm sure the 108 guys will have a great view of it. Hopefully, we'll be thrilled. I'm I'm doing cartwheels, and I'm an arthritic 36 year old man that should not be doing cartwheels. <laughs> but it'd be fantastic. I'm pumped. But I just don't realistically see that happening. I don't think most Sox fans see that happening. The other two names I have on the list, no, not Puig. Is <laughs> uh, if he was so good, where is he? What what has he been doing in this whole? Uh, he knocked out. I like Puig, but at some point, you're right. Okay, yeah. there's market there's, effects. Like if no might. one wants someone, yes. that says something about them, right? Yeah. So here's two names. One is not a huge shocker. One I think I don't I haven't seen too much. We just saw Marcelo Zuna have a borderline MVP year with Atlanta. We all wanted him going into this year. Right. Yeah. He was yours and that ended up being false. Yeah, I thought he was ours (laughs) and then he went to Atlanta and he absolutely just raked this year with Atlanta and he's a big reason they're gonna move on. Or they did move on. They beat uh Miami. He's a he's Fantastic hitting this year. So I don't know if Atlanta is going to let him go. The other name, and unfortunately with White Sox luck, I wish Castellanos would opt out. I don't What see position does COVID play? Uh, right field. <laughs> I feel like it's a utility guy. Really much anywhere. You put him in so the bullpen. So hear me out on this one. He's contagious. Just because I'm unfortunately 36 years of watching the White Sox has trained my brain to not go for option A, not go for option B, not go for option C, but look for option D. And to me, option D is a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. That's the most <laughs> theory and philosophy I have when I go to the bars. It's fantastic. He's okay. <laughs> well, done, well done. Yep. Well, well, that's that's the thing. He he does fit that because he he is a good platoon partner for Angle. He's yeah. athletic, so if you at the end of a game, if you want to have him. And Robert Angle all in the outfield. I mean, you, yeah, exactly. They all run and, and chase the ball down for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you'd hope you get a little bit more, but it's it's not a terrible option. I, I don't. I mean, I I wouldn't be. I wouldn't love it, but it would be much better than them sitting on their fucking hands. That's for sure. He made eight, just under nine million dollars this year. So I think we're getting more into the price range. But I also think for that amount of money you can get the guy from the Dodgers. I'm not saying his name again because I don't want to take a drink. Yeah. Right uh, that allude, you alluded to it. So yeah, see, You're drinking highlight. I'm drinking moonshine. This is not going to end well for me. Uh, Normally you get uh, the well card lost All really right. bad. You just went straight to moonshine. I had to, I had to chase that high life with some uh, Johnny Walker. So, Oh, hello. Wait, yeah. Chase, Chase, you brought up pairing a couple guys together and, and like making a trade to fill right. out some of your needs. One, I think one of the issues the Sox have is that a lot of the stuff they, that they kind of like normal fans would want to trade or would think about trading is old. They're kind of old prospects. Like Zach Collins is 26 or whatever. And the next group, the group that looked kind of promising, like the, the Benjamin Bailey's of the world, the DJ Gladney's of the world, they didn't play this year. And so you kind of didn't get like, Oh, these 19 and 20 year olds that most of the teams kind of covet. I mean, when you see a big trade, they're usually littered with these younger guys that teams want to get a chance at developing. That group for the Sox wasn't kind of ready to go or hadn't been highly touted prospects yet. And then they missed a year of development here. So they, in a way, they got screwed by this. What you said is that you make an absolutely fantastic point is we're looking at 
um, an off season that's going to be based on athletic ability, less about development and more about where that person is physically. Like, are they physically where they're supposed to be? And what you just said is perfect. A perfect example of this is, you know, are you looking at a guy that did not develop this year? And I think that obviously all players were developing in some way. They're not, sure. you know, they're not hanging out playing Fortnite all day on their you know, <laughs> computer, but right. they, they're, they're just not getting that game, those game reps. And they're not seeing that, that quality, you know, velocity. They're not seeing those quality spinners. They're, they're having to like simulate things, especially at the lower levels. Cause they're, they're basically giving jack shit to like figure it out, dude. And we'll see you in a year. I think the fall league this year specifically, and this is something I'm a big proponent of. And I actually mentioned it the other day, they need to expand the fall league. They need to expand the fall league this year. They need to make it a month longer. I think three weeks, probably maybe four weeks. They, they do need to continue that because you lost a lot. And I think that if they can expand the fall league, make it more developmental, actually less, you know, maybe a longer, you know, a higher roster size, maybe more games, whatever they can do, you'll get an opportunity to see these guys. But I think that when you see like a, you know, you know, a stud, you, when you see a stud, that's, that's those, those bird dogs know what they see. They, they're not stupid, not their first rodeo usually, right. but, there are dudes that develop. There are the Alex Mills, the the, the Hendricks, the the dudes that 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 don't flash out at you, that that actually grow because they get those reps. And I think that baseball, as a a, a whole organization right now, coming into twenty twenty one, is going to be on a behind learning curve. It's it's kind of like kindergartners that should have learned math back in March and they couldn't learn math back in March. Instead, right. they're learning in first grade now, and so they're a little bit behind. The development's going to be behind. So I think that the focus should be on athletic ability. And then obviously if you have, you have some mental notes, obviously red flags with like poor mental guys, guys that can't handle the stress or whatever you go with that too. But you, I think everything that's going to be done in the offseason is going to be based on projectables as opposed to actual gifts or, yeah. or learning curve and learning curve is huge in development. That's why, wait, the fall league was canceled. I thought that wait, they, no, although I thought, didn't you say they were doing the fall league? They just, uh, not the like, league. they're doing injuries. They're doing what? Instructs. Instruction. Yeah. It's same thing. Honestly, it's your top pitchers, prospect pitchers pitching against your best hitters. Like Jake Burger time, baby. Jake Burger time. (laughs) So not fall league, but but you know what I'm yeah, the instructional. I again I think the same thing. It's AZL is still instructional. It's like fall ball. It's what it is. So you get these guys that are going to go out there and they're going to face some dudes. They're going to see stuff, but you really got to, you got to take your choices. You got to pick who is, who's your best projectable. And that's really where your scouting department comes into play. That's why I think that organizations that have taken driveline and pulled in, especially their, their, the philosophy of that, it, it, they're going to, they're going to see a lot more of a, a return. But and I think the White Sox and the Cubs both have driveliners in their organization. That's your, that's your trade piece guys. Uh, Jake Berger. He's back. <laughs> well, if, let me ask a question off, off that, uh, K Fitz, because because one of the things that a lot of Sox fans are doing right now, and it's it's part hype train, and I don't know what to believe because I'm not quite ready, I'm not there yet, but maybe I should be. They're ready to pencil Andrew Vaughn into the lineup on opening day, and but he didn't play any real games this year, and he hasn't played a real game above a ball. So whatever they're doing right now in in Schaumburg, you know what? How do you gauge that? How do you decide if the guy, if they developed or didn't develop? How do you figure it out? Before he answers, Joe Casey answers. Just won the whole night, by the before way. Before he answers, <laughs> just so you know, Beef, Kevin is a huge Andrew Vaughn guy. Oh, he, he was ready this year. Fuck everybody else. They can suck it. He was ready this year. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a mature hitter right there. He might look like a gigantic chugger of keg rolls and fucking beer bongs. I don't care. The dude was ready to be a major league hitter this year. That dude is a mature college hitter. Those guys are far more ready for major league baseball than someone that you drafted 18, 19, 20 from a Juco. That dude is seeing the best. He's played at the best. He was ready this year. He could have, he could have, I mean, he, again, he looks, he does look like a barrel of like, like powder, like actual, like whatever. Remember back in the old cartoons when they would like carry that giant keg of like, like, yes. uh, what is it? Uh, the powder, you know, f- yeah. whatever. Explosive. Gunpowder. It goes right up to the Vaughn. Vaughn is my man, dude. I, I can't, I can't tell you the dude, the dude is a, a mature hitter. He's a professional hitter. So, no. With that being said, when I hear my guy K Fitz say that about a hitter, I listen because my guy here knows how to break down people's swings. He's very good with all that. So to hear that kind of praise come from Kevin about a hitter makes me even – I'm all aboard on that hype train. And that was pre-draft too, though. We talked yeah, about that, that pre-draft. pre-draft. You've been on him since – on train. Yeah. Anybody. What up, Salty? Uh, you crying about Manchado, you little bitch. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. By, by the way, he, uh, as chubby as he might be, there's a 0% chance that Andrew Vaughn is six feet tall. Because I yeah. stood next to him. I'm 6'2". He's probably 5'9", maybe? Yep. Maybe 5'10", in shoes. I'll find it. I'll tweet it out. <laughs> I, interviewed, I interviewed him at SoxFest. I'm 6'1", okay. six, six and I'm just barely 6'1". Vaughn came up to my chin. <laughs> he was a little dude. Like oh, the guy? he doesn't skip leg day though. The guy no. though, right? <laughs> so so K Fitz, if it if were you, uh, you, you you'd uh, you'd pen him in the lineup opening day this year or what? I would say for twenty twenty one, absolutely. Yeah. I would I would remove and cart and well, he's he's gone anyway, in my opinion. Right in there like like a like your DMs, I guess you would just, yeah, let them go. Let them rock. Let, let Vaughn figure it out. And you know what? Just like, you, you know, you're not going to have to worry about some of that learning curve for, for magical. And especially like Luis Robert or Robert, or I don't know. I always call him the, I, God damn, that's we know your, what you're talking about. it's Aldo. He calls that's him. Robert. Anyway, Lou Bob. I'm going to call him Lou Bob. <laughs> damn it, Aldo. <laughs> but, um, it's the same kind of concept. It's the idea that like those two guys are no longer going to be new pups. So you let Vaughn go out there, wear it a little bit. He's got to see major league pitching to adjust to major league pitching. Let him go do it in a DH spot. He's going to walk into enough. I personally, my opinion, I think he's a more professional and refined hitter than either Madrigal or Lou Bob. I think that he's going to be the kind of guy that actually knows he's, he's mature. He's what is he? 22, 23, almost he'll be 23 by the time the season starts. That's not a kid. That's a, that's a grown dude that can buy beer that knows, where to go and where to stay away from. He knows what he's doing and he also works and he probably works probably harder because he knows it's a job as much as it is just a passion. And those guys, you got to really rely on. I love mature hitters that are drafted out of college. I, I will, love those. those are my favorite guys. I will say, and again, this is me. So take it how you want, but going around socks fast and talking to some of these young guys and in the like pen area, where they let the people with the media passes, no big deal. And uh, <laughs> to talk to these people, to talk to the players, all of the prospects like Dunning and Cease and Madrigal and Collins and all those guys were like huddled up like a bad high school dance. 
Okay, like boys on one side, girls on the other. They were all huddled up. They were taking selfies. They were not really. Andrew Vaughn was out there, like suited up, talking to people. He talked. It was a difference. It was different talking to him than some of these other younger guys. I talked to them all. Some of them were on camera. Some of them weren't. It was different with Vaughn. And I think a lot of it goes to what you were saying, K-Fids. He sees it way more as a job. And he seemed a little bit more professional. I'm not saying the other guys weren't. I'm just saying Vaughn seemed a little bit more professional. Like he seemed – his answers were very buttoned down. He was very focused. Like I don't know. There's something about that kid. I really think he's the goods. I really think he's going to be special. Uh, Mr. Ham wants to know, do you play him at first base or DH? doesn't matter. It doesn't. Ideally, though, I want him at first base because I see he think he's going to be the first baseman for the future. You let him get his, let him log his time, and let Abreu get what Abreu. You know what? You give Abreu what Abreu wants. To be honest, when Abreu needs a day off, you give him the day off, and you make sure that Abreu knows it was his decision to take the day off. That guy has earned the rights to say when I want to take a day off or not, and that's what you do because both of those dudes. Again, I think I even told you guys I felt like Vaughn was as, as I actually undervalued Abreu back like in I want to say like November. A lot was, of people. Did. By the time we got to this point, I was ready. He like the dude rolls out of bed and drives in three runs, just going to brush his teeth. So <laughs> that's it. and and that's what I love about him. He's a professional hitter as well. So you have him and Vaughn, and you have a guy that's passing on the knowledge. And that's what again every single franchise you have to understand. It's the concept of passing on the knowledge of the game to the next guy. You want dudes in your franchise that are. A, obviously producers, but you want the producers that can pass on what makes them effective. What am I doing to make our team better? What have I done in the past? That has been, how do I maneuver this weird minefield called Major League Baseball? And a lot of people forget that. They think talent and talent only. That's why you need mentor figures. You need a guy like an Abreu. You need those types of people to help guide them along the way. Tim Anderson is a fantastic example. He doesn't need replay to hit. He goes up there and respects and responds. And that's what I love about Tim Anderson. He doesn't need that replay in the dugout to go do what he does. Fired. He's natural. He is. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't mean, that's not a shot. I'm, You're I'm taking a shot at Javi Baez. Come on. Because Brian had a couple home runs at the end of the year. <laughs> Me talking about a guy that can see a ball out of the hand compared to a guy that guesses pre pitch is a completely different argument. I'm talking about <laughs> legitimately a professional hitter. And, so and that's what I love about the idea of teaching the game. You want guys in the clubhouse that are going to spread that knowledge. That's why Ben Zobrist, as average as a hitter, maybe a little bit above average as he was, he was so valuable because he did things that nobody else was willing to do. He was a coach on the field. Rossi was a coach on the field, even though he hit 180. You want those guys around the guys that are going to develop. So, and so there, favorite cat, David Ross? Yeah, there is a Ben Zobrist mention that I did not think we were going to get. Tonight, <laughs> Wait, Peter, do you think the Sox start the year with Vaughn? Like, I, I, on I think twenty twenty one is their DH. That's I mean, I, I for for me personally, I wouldn't. I don't want them to, and the only reason I don't want them to is because I want them to get in the habit of stacking the forty man roster with talent right now. There's mm -hmm. no pressure to put Andrew Vaughn on the roster, even on the forty man yet. And so I want to make sure he's really ready, and, and K-Fitz thinks he is really ready. So may, maybe he, he should be on the, the major league roster in his third year. But the White Sox, they seem to like to try – I've worked for a, a, a firm that's half uh, private equity and half real estate. And we're a firm that runs real lean, right? And that's fine. You can do that in the business world. In baseball, you should be deep. You should have a lot of talent there. You know? and, and the White Sox have made a habit of running real lean. And I want them to be deeper. I want them to have more talent. And if someone gets hurt, 
you know, you, you got the next guy to kind of step into the spot. And my feeling is if they kind of push Vaughn up there, it may be as good as something they could find in the free agent uh, market for one year. You know, in, in his rookie year, he might be just as good. But I would like to have that that talent stack that they never seem to have. What if I were to tell you that his age, when the season starts, will be the same age as Lou Bob and Nick Magical when they started this season? If they would have started in the spring, even though it was COVID late, would that would that adjust? Like again, I just I don't know. I think he's a mature hitter. I guess that's what I'm. No, it, it, for me, it's more than and, and, be afraid and of age. You understand this better than I do, but for me, it's the the lack of reps playing professionally. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, he hasn't played a double A where you're going to face the other big prospects. Yep. And so, like, instead of playing a college schedule, what you're doing is you're squeezing it into almost an all-star schedule, right? You're you're getting all the best players from college in there, and then you're getting all the best players from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, and they're, they're all there too. And then that's, you know, double A is usually the showcase, right? You can figure out. Guy kills it in double A. It's like, okay, well, triple A is just where we hold all the old guys who right. can't make it, you know. But with Vaughn, who did he face in college? He faced literally the top arms also prior to hit. Some of the arms that he faced and he actually hit are playing in the show already. And oh, that's sure, what, but and that's I, what, he has faced those guys. He actually has again, he played he played in maybe the best baseball conference in America. I don't know. I mean, you can really kind of push that if you really want to push it. And that's what I love about these young hitters, these young professionals. They could feasibly have already seen the best pitching they'll ever see far before they ever hit double. Double A is by far the standard, by the way. You, yes. you hit the head on the nail. Absolutely. We all agree on that. Yeah. All the talent. Every, if you can hit 300 at double A, you are a freak show. That's for everybody. And if you have an ERA, <laughs> somewhere, if you have a whip below like <laughs> 1.2 and an ERA below three, really, at double A, you are a freak. Um, those are the best dudes. Triple A is the dudes that are holding on to the water wagon there, as far as I'm concerned. And so that 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 that's where you look at a guy like Vaughn, and that's what this what sucks about this damn offseason. But you know what he's been doing? He's been facing the White Sox best version of their triple and double A team. So right. he's seen yeah. some real pitching. Well, I mean, they haven't been sitting around just again screwing around. They've been they've been facing these dudes are working. Well, there's not else to do with Schomburg. Shompton is is holding it down. Shompton, it's going, and that's how it works, you know. And they're holding it down there. They're doing their job. They're they're working. Um, Patterson's still getting tackled for a loss. And uh, sorry, I just flipped over to the Bears game for a second. Um, it's third long, and we're throwing short dub passes. Ding 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 ding. Focus. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If he loses tonight, I'm going for back. I'm going back to bring back Trubisky. I'm I'm done with it. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no, you want you want those dudes that are uh oh god, Mr. Hand, you are real Mr. Hand needs to smoke some weed. Kiva <laughs> <laughs> here for Mr. Hand, please. Uh he's been smoking our downing. I mean he's uh, not wrong. No, he's not. Well, um okay, that passed though. That was Robinson. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Back to get on track here. Ooh, I don't we talked about pitching. We talked about Colomay, we talked about outfield. Is there a guy that we haven't talked about that's on your list, Beef, that you wouldn't mind if he was wearing the White Sox uniform next year? Yeah, so I'll give you I'll give you two guys. These are a little bit further outside the box, but I just looked at 
what what happened, what transpired in this current season and what I think we might need next year. So it's no secret that James McCann is going to move on and he's he's going to be a starting catcher for somebody else more than likely. I don't think the White Sox are going to pay the premium and to have a second starting catcher on the roster and have like, you know, 25% of their payroll just at, in backstops. So you got to go out there and find someone. And truth be told, I trust Rick Hahn to do this because he found Omar Narvaez, he found James McCann. But when I was doing a little bit of research, I thought, why not try to find a guy that could be helpful to my man Dylan Cease, who hasn't been able to find it yet. And Dylan Cease, a lot of his issues have been getting that high strike. He's had a lot of problems getting the high strike. And Yasmani Grandal, for as good a framer as he is, he's more uh, he gets the low strike more often than he gets the high strike. He's not really as proficient at that. But a guy who's a free agent this offseason and is an old B-flow favorite who does get the high strike very consistently when it comes to pitch framing is Wilson Ramos. So I'd love to see the White Sox go out and get a Wilson Ramos. My second guy, and I thought about this in the context of the whole pitching thing, this year we watched Jimmy Cordero catch all kinds of shrapnel because they had to use him like every day. Mm -hmm. And inevitably what's going to happen when you trim back down to the 26-man roster and if the White Sox want to keep trotting out young pitchers, which I suspect they're going to, um, you're going to have a lot of early hooks, and you're going to need another guy who can really wear it, uh, a guy who's going to have to pitch almost every day just like Jimmy Cordero. So I did a little research, and this guy's a former closer, and he used to kick the White Sox balls in, and he actually had a pretty decent year this year in Kansas City. I'd go out and get Greg Holland and tell Greg Holland, oh. look, expect about 75 or 80 appearances. We're going to use the shit out of you. No one's going to hire you as a closer, but you got a chance to be on a really good team here. You're going to get abused. This may be your last year. Your arm might die. Uh, but So those are the two like sort of lower end, outside the box guys that I've been thinking about. I'd really like to see the White Sox pounce on. Combined, they're not going to cost more than like 5 or $6 million. Right. The Wilson Ramos is very interesting to me. I feel like you're a little biased, too. <laughs> We're not related, even though we have the same last name. We're not related. <laughs> but no, I wouldn't mind. I mean, Wilson Ramos can hit, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, you're not just doing all in his past. Yeah. Yes, in his past, he could. I base a lot of my um, evaluation of players off of if I can hit with them in MLB the show, the video game. And <laughs> I usually hit with Wilson Ramos, so <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. The Holland thing, though, is really interesting to me. It definitely would share up some things until his arm fell off. Yeah, you kind of need one of these rubber arm guys. Like we we got yeah. lucky in the sixty game season. We had no depth, and like they they still had to use Jimmy like every day. Which You're gonna awesome. need a guy who's like kind of a rubber arm. And you you maybe you thought Steve Ciszek was that, but the Cubs used the fuck out of him, so he, <laughs> he was useless by the time he got here. Yeah, yeah. The Cubs did that with him. Yeah, exactly. The Cubs did that with him. Like so, you got to find a guy like that who who you can say like. We're going to use this guy 70 times next year in 162 game season. That's really good. Yeah, Wade Davis just pitched him through the ground. Uh, they did that with Chapman in the second half after they got him in 2016. C check for two years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so Aldo, I, I have to interrupt this broadcast to inform you that that joking trade that I sent during our, uh, we were talking before. He took it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mixing for. Mixing for Singletary and uh, Samuel. Kevin, so for those of you listening, KFIN's got a a terrible 
uh, fantasy football trade before we went on the show. And as we talked about earlier, he sent a fuck you trade back to a guy, and he actually took it. So good for you, bud. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It works. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is this wrong? It was Devin Singletary and Samuels from the 49ers. I, right. I got Tyreek Hill, Cooper. I, I have like four wide receiver. I'm good. It's it was like literally like my fourth dude who's not played yet. And I was like, Dick. Although Dick, Chris Bryant. Do it. I got Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon for that. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I got what Joe Mixon. So, I don't give a shit. How about that? Again, with the record show, I've been in 15 years, and I've never heard him say the word shit. So every time you repeat that, that's one more time that I've heard that kid say the word shit. That's why it's awesome. It's it's legitimately like fucking up my entire 15 years of like the kid doesn't cuss, the kid doesn't, he doesn't drink yet. So unless you he get drink, a picture of him like doing a fucking beer bong, suck it. He drinks but, butter beer. Dude, he drinks Harry Potter butter beer for sure. Being, I wanted to ask you like just one last general general question from the for the White Sox offseason. So we know like some of the contracts are coming off like Encarnacion, you know, Gio Gonzalez, mm-hmm. uh, McCann, you know, his like what was it like five million dollars or whatever it was coming off the books. Like overall, so I think what is it like now? Like between eighty and ninety million before arbitration, mm-hmm. before yeah. those yeah. rates. Mm-hmm. Like what do you think they get back up to their twenty twenty? Like before the COVID shutdown. Do, they th- do you think they get back to that number in payroll or a little higher, a little lower? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be in the general vicinity. I mean, I I, I think – I don't know this because I don't know the Sox financials, but I think in general they keep pretty clean books. I don't think there's someone – I don't think their franchise that gets deep into debt. Um, but they're also a little – you know, they're, they're, um, they're cost conscious, which we uh, Sox fans we all know. But they also have to have a little bit of awareness. Like, you know, you this is an opportunity now to sort of push out. So I think they'll probably keep the payroll in and around where it was. I wouldn't expect a big pop-up. Like, in theory, you should get right now. Uh, because they're they're going to claim they're hurting from the uh, from having no yeah. fans in the stadium. And we have no way to really prove if they are or aren't. Um, I assume they're not hurting as bad as they're going to sell out in the public. Because, you know, why would they let us know if they're doing okay? That it doesn't serve them any purpose, but yeah, I would assume the payroll is going to be somewhere in the vicinity of where it was. I think so. I would agree. I think, I, I think to put a contender on the field, like we've been saying, you, they have to be in that area. I, w- I would right. imagine. And mm-hmm. I don't think the window is going to get more open. This damn window. Everyone talking. <laughs> I don't think the window is going to get more it's the time to go for it. It's time you got to go for it. So nine digit losses. Yeah. The poor crying billionaires. Um, as, as much as the White Sox can are running and they could see like they've got uh, the Indians and the, and the twins and their sights now, and they're really close to them. Mm-hmm. For me, I can hear the tigers footsteps behind me. Yeah. Right, they ain't that far away. Cause they got a lot of young talent. And they got a lot of pizza money. So you yeah. just don't know. <laughs> Pounce right now while you can. While you got a shot, you take a shot right now. Right. And you. I agree with you because I was looking at Detroit's projected starting rotation. That's a damn good starting rotation. That's something you can build off of. Led by Casey Mize and all those boys. That is a good – you can build off that. Yeah, Detroit's not that far off. I would agree. 
All right, so this is officially the longest pinwheels and ivy show. There he is. And I, I would like to tell me it's Allen Robinson. It was. Not a touchdown, though. Because I you went still, to points still bet. still look pretty, though, if you arch your back and curve Because I went to points bet, and I put a $10 wager on Allen Robinson being the first one to score a touchdown. So that nets you 100 bucks. Promo so code mockery. Promo code I, don't, I, don't, I don't even get to test drive Mixon this weekend because I started Monty. So let's go, Monty. All right, guys. Well, hey, Beef, thank you so much for coming on. Beef. It's, seriously, Beef. It, it's my pleasure. Thank you, guys. No, I really I'm, appreciate it. I love having the conversation. Even if it yeah. wasn't being recorded and put out on the interwebs, I would love to have this conversation and get loaded with you guys. I appreciate been, it. I've been fanning myself, overheating a little bit. Well, overheating. <laughs> Truth. So thank you all. I mean, if someone's still listening at this point, God bless you. All 12 and, of you. Uh, yeah, God bless you. And so that's K-Fizz. That's all, though. That's our very special guest, Mr. Beeflo. AKA Mr. Delicious. Aloha, Mr. Hand. God bless you. <laughs> I am who I and am. I am Southside Zoe, AKA Father Zoe. Go to Points Bet, download it, promo code mockery, and we will see you guys next week. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Southside or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy. Season, make it all change. Season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.